All right, we're back. We're live. It's Talking Preps. Uh, we had an exciting Saturday of private school basketball, exciting Saturday of public school basketball. We're going to talk about all of that. I don't even want to get the guys started because we'll be heavy. If I do that, I'm going to hit the button. We're going to get rolling. Let's dive right into it. Uh, Rick, you were up in uh, Forsyth Country Day in, in Louisville. You saw the, the CSAA Finals. Carmel Christian, Cannon Girls, both favorite and lost. Uh, Want to get your reaction. Uh, and also, Randall, uh, Cannon and Gary, we talked about maybe being the best overall team in North Carolina. They lost the Raven Gap. Uh, a lot of people don't like the fact that Raven Gap's in the, in the public, private school league. But before I get you guys' reaction, I want you guys to hear from uh, Coach Kelvin Drake. Which Drakeford from Cannon School lost in the 4A finals. Coach, well, it was a heck of a season despite the loss there, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It was a great season for our girls. Um, you know, ultimately we want to win the state championship. We came up short by 10 points tonight or this afternoon. Um, but our girls fought all season. They scrapped, clawed. Uh, we met expectations, and, and the goal was to get here and win, but we fell short. The ball didn't bounce in our favor uh, the second half today. All right, well, you heard from Coach. Um, Randall, how do you feel about Raven Gap being in the Prop School Association? Because a lot of people don't seem to like it. I mean, a lot of people don't like it, but I think, I mean, they, they fit. I mean, they've been in here for a while now. I don't really think that you should, you should fight it. Um, it's not the most convenient thing, obviously, with where they're located, but – I mean, I think they deserve to be there. I don't I don't see an issue with it. Um, I think they, they fit with everything else in the league. Yeah, Gary, they won 53-43, so it held Cannon down point-wise. They didn't get, Cannon didn't have a big game from his big guns. Were you surprised when you saw that result? Yes, I was, uh, especially at the score. You would think um, that if Cannon were to lose, it would be a high-scoring game because I just can't envision them not being able to get you know, into the 50s or 60s point production-wise. But, you know, listening to the coach, sometimes the ball just doesn't go in. Yeah, and, yeah. Speaking of the ball not going in, the uh, Carmel Christian boys uh, really got out of character, especially offensively against a, a really good Christ school team, lost in a close game. Uh, and we heard from Joe Badgett after the game, the coach of Carmel. Badgett, Joe, you, you all lost tonight, but it was a heck of a season. What? Um, how, how would you summarize what this season was like? Man, it, it – um, I, to me, it's probably out of the 13 years of being in private school coaching, I put this one up there probably top two or three um, because we took a group of kids that were fairly, they were definitely new to what we do. And, you know, from the outside looking in and you hear all the trusted process and you know, we're going to defend and let you guys do what you do offensively. But to have a group come in and see that actually materialize with pretty much an all-new group was uh, was very special. Um, I got a little emotional this morning and shoot around the way I had to go upstairs to, to my office and sit down for a minute just thinking about them. So uh, it's been a great group. The kids, they love each other. They play for each other, and so it's been it's been one of the best groups we've ever we've, we've ever had in the program. So it was it was, it was just great being blessed, the opportunity to uh, to serve those guys. 
Rick, your reaction to that game? Because you sat and you watched uh, Christ School. They really played well defensively. They blocked five, six, seven shots. They they won the rebounding battle. They made their free throws. And they took advantage of the fact that Carmel was not doing Carmel things on offense. Yeah, I think all credit goes to Christ School. And um, I think, as I said before, you know, Christ School may have the best starting five of any private school team in the, in the state. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, too, is they matched up very well with Carmel in terms of size, length, and athleticism. And I think there's a couple key points in the game. I, I don't think that, that Carmel's had an opportunity to play against teams that was as big, as physical, and as good as defensively as they have been. And the one thing that really stood out early in the game was the 6'10 Southern, uh, South Florida commit, Anthony Robinson. He was a great rim protector. I think he changed a lot of shots in the paint. And, um, you know, Carmel just had a hard time in scoring. But that being said, it, it was really – and I mentioned this to you during the game. I said, this is big boy basketball. You're looking at two teams – that probably have – that simulate a college team as well as any two teams I've seen all year. Yeah. And, um, you know, both of them are very physical. And I think, you know, Christ School was a much better defensively than I thought they were. I think they had a good game plan. They cut off the driving lanes as much as possible. And the other thing they did a really good job on, even though um, Jaden Mustaf ended up with 20 points, but, you know, they, they double-teamed him as much as they possibly could. Yeah. And I think it took – their game plan, and we talked about this before, I think their game plan took Carmel out of what they do best, and that's sharing the basketball. Yeah, yeah I think uh, that was definitely a key in that game. Uh, jump into the 1A, uh, Randall, Northside Christian boys and girls won state championships. And we heard from uh, Northside Christian rookie coach Ed Cook after the game. The, the, the schedule, the tough schedule you had helped, didn't this with this tournament? Yeah, it did, man. It, it, it made us, you know what I'm saying, just go through ups and downs. The losses we took, you know what I'm saying, it only made us better. We learned from everything, you know what I'm saying, that's how it kind of was designed. We didn't want nothing easy because we knew in February we had to be tough. And th- this team just got better and better as it went along, didn't it? Better and better. 14 and 3 to finish the season, man. So we just stayed together. They listened and we trust each other. Randall, um, Donnell Ryan, that's that's the boys coach, Ed Cook. They won their first title in nine years. But I want to take you to the girls' side. Northside girls won the state title. Rookie coach Donnell Ryan won again. He won the past three at Chambers. He's missed the state championship, right? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I don't think anybody could be surprised after what he did at Chambers to come over to Northside and do the same thing um, right back to it. And, you know, congratulations to both the boys and girls at Northside Christian uh, on their accomplishment, I think, you know, Two teams that we probably didn't talk about enough uh, here on the show this year, but definitely want to congratulate them. No, they, they had a they had a great run. Um, and we talked last week, or you you and Gary talked last week on Coach versus Coach. Should the NCISA have two set sites the way that the public schools do at UNC and Chapel Hill? And Rick, I'm here to argue that the NCISA should have two separate sites every year: Forsyth Country Day and Calvary Day. I thought yesterday was just great. Tell me what you thought. I thought it was fantastic. And and the other thing, too, you know, as, as a scout or, you know, if you're covering the boys' side of the events, you're sitting there, you can sit there from 1 o'clock till 9 o'clock at night just covering the girls' side. But also another thing, too, there were several college coaches there in attendance, and it also makes it more convenient for college coaches. If you want to sit there and watch four games, you can watch four consecutive games as a college coach um, where their time is very valuable as well. And I know that's not the reason why, you know, to do it, but 
I thought the atmosphere, you know, I was there for the 1A, 2A, 3A, and 4A. Mm -hmm. The atmosphere at each particular game was capacity. It was loud. Um, it was as good as you could anticipate and expect. No, it looked like this all day long. Uh, I mean, there, there was just, you know, a standing room only everywhere. In fact, the, the Concord Academy Greensboro Day game had more fans on the back row than you see there. I mean, it was it was, uh, it was was loud. I felt like I needed earplugs. And I, I thought that, you know, I heard the crowd at Calvary Day was really good. And I, I think that's a really nice sight. I'd love to see the crowd just kind of go to that. Uh, Randall, what are your thoughts? I, I said last year, I thought it was, I thought, you know, last week, you know, we had this debate. Um, yesterday seemed to be seemed to be very energetic. I mean, I think the crowds at, at all the games seemed seemed to enjoy themselves. And Coach Rick makes some really good points as far as it goes with college coaches being able to come and really scout. You know, four different classifications. So I understand it. I just think that I just I just think that they I think this is the best site for the private school games. I've seen them all over the place. I've been to Asheville with them in Greensboro and I've been to Raleigh and Charlotte. And it just it just felt right. Uh, you know, shout out to Christ School. They, they did a great job. It, it just felt right having it there. I think that, you know, it kind of the Gary made a point, you know, in the old days, people say I'm, I'm going to the hill. That was always the thing. I'm going to the hill. I think having that, you know, I want to go to. To, to that place, that site is is a, is a nice treat and it's something to look forward to. And I, I just think, I think it's also centrally located. Very centrally located. Yeah, just a short drive for sure, at least for me in Charlotte, a short drive. Now, Cameron, I want to come to you. Um, six of the eight teams in the, in the uh, remaining four boys and girls from Charlotte, where should the regional be this year? I mean, why, why shouldn't it be in Charlotte? I mean, it's convenient for travel for all the teams for the most part. Um, the majority of the teams. Um, so I don't see why it should be anywhere but Charlotte. Yeah, Gary, six, six Charlotte schools have applied to host it this year. Uh, Last year they tried to say that there, there weren't – there wasn't enough interest here. They're trying to go – is CMS trying to do an in-run around that? I don't know if they're doing an in-run around, but if you look at the six schools applied, they're still going to sell out. Um, yeah regardless of, of which school gets the contract, they're all about the same size. Uh, Gym-wise, I, I yeah. wish they could get on a college campus, Queens, UNCC, Davis. Right. Those places aren't being used right now. Yeah. Especially since it's about to be four Charlotte teams in it. Yeah, and I, I think it makes so much more sense. And as we talked about before we came on the air, I wish they do did the boys and girls on a separate day. You know, I of course, I coach girls basketball, but I'm a big boys fan. I want to see all the games. Right. You know, you have to choose between the girls and the boys. And we know when you have a school like North Mac, uh, Chambers in the past, uh, where the fan base has to choose, are they going to the girls game or the boys game? Mm -hmm. Unless they have a relative in the girls game, they're probably going to the boys game. No, that's, that's very true. That's very true. Harding and split split up cheerleaders, and all the cheerleaders want to go see the boys until they get eliminated. Good point. The, the schools that applied, uh, guys, Harding, Westmac, Huff, Independence, Butler, Rocky River. I, I would love to see them move this to Independence Arena, have boys and girls back-to-back. -back. That could be incredible. Or Queens or, like Eric said, Charlotte. I mean, they're in these places, I would think, are mostly available. So. I don't know. I mean, hopefully, maybe hopefully CMS can make a call. But right now, those are the six places it could be. I think um, Huff may be the biggest of all of them, or the ones I look at. But 
Harding has a, a brand new big gym as well. That's probably about twenty five hundred. That's going to sell out quick. The regionals are Saturday, right? Yeah, the regionals are Saturday. That I know the UNC Charlotte wouldn't be available. Their last home game Saturday. Yeah. All right. So now it's time. We have promised everybody we were going to let them know who were the finalists for Mister and Ms. Basketball. So I'm going to let Gary and Richard tell y'all who they picked. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Randall, tell us who your girls are. We're going to start off with the name that we've seen all season long, Kirsten Lewis-Williams at Lake Norman. Um, I mean, what can you say about this kid? Uh, she she leads on both ends of the floor. She's done a tremendous job of not only being a leader, but, you know, scoring the basketball, getting in the passing lanes, getting steals and deflections, rebounding the basketball out of the guard, guard uh, spot. She's really been really good. Samaria so Jones from North Pitt. I mean, they they've been rolling all season. She's averaging you know over twenty five points and eight assists, and and still playing right now. She's been tremendous. And then of course, last but not least, Miss Sarah Strong, the walking triple double. Um, you know, I, I don't know how you stop her. I honestly don't. Uh, she's a great passer, can score it um, at all three levels, and uh, really just a really all around good player. Richard, your side. Well, we're going to start off with six, seven junior Isaiah Evans from North Mac. Um, North Mac is twenty-eight and two. They won the conference tournament championship. They're in the elite eight. Um, one of the favorite teams, you know, to compete for a state championship. But when you look at Isaiah Evans, he's one of the the best scorers in the state of North Carolina. But the thing that I really like about Isaiah is his passion and his alpha male mentality when he's on the court. But um, he scored multiple 40-point games. So definitely one of the um, top players in the state. He's a five-star prospect. And, you know, I think North Mac has a good chance to advance to the state playoffs along with, you know, Chambers naturally and also uh, Myers Park. Uh, next up is a guy that I just saw yesterday. Now you look at Jaden uh, Mustaf from Carmel. Um, you know, he led him to a national ranking. Um, when he was playing for Adidas, they won the Adidas um, Circuit Championship. But his performance yesterday solidified his spot. He's a he's such a good scorer. He's strong. He's physical. He's a great two-way player. Um, he's averaging like 16 points a game, six rebounds, and about four assists. But he's a leader on the basketball court, and I like his personality and demeanor as well. And then the last person um, – and I think this is probably one of the best two-way players in the state, and that's six-six junior Drake Powell of Northwood. Um, they're twenty-six and two. They've won sixteen in a row. Their only losses came to Camden, which was nationally ranked, and also Cannon earlier in the year. Um, he's averaging eighteen points a game, seven rebounds, five assists, and. In the 3A, they are favored to come out of the East, and I would anticipate 
a Northwood versus Central Cabarrus matchup. Alex, seeing this list, are you in agreement or you uh, have some problems? 100% agreement. Uh, I think both uh, Randall and Rick, as usual, have done an outstanding job of giving us a perspective to understand. I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer, as all of you know, in people can believe whatever they want to believe as long as you can explain yourself. And Randall and Rick have done an outstanding job of explaining why these particular three young women and three young men are at the head of the class. I concur 100% with their final selections. And, and Langston, I want to say one other thing, and I failed to mention this. When we talk about today's athletes at the high school level, and we talk about student athletes, all three of these players are outstanding student athletes. They're high academic players as well, student athletes. And I failed to mention that. And I think that's important. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, too, is when you speak to all three of these guys, they're very humble and they're just good young men. Yeah. Well, I think uh, we're going to announce the winner next week on our final show of the season. Um, you know, these are really good candidates. We started out really good candidates. There's some really good candidates that got dropped off. But, uh, you know, I, I can't argue with what you guys have here. It's not my pick. If you guys have problems, at Coach Rick 57, <laughs> at the 1RC, let them have it. It's not Langston's pick, so I let them run with it. So I think it's pretty cool. All right. It's time. It's time. Ooh, ooh. Josh. Josh. You got Mike, yes, Mike, Mike Pride problem. It's a Mike problem. Yeah, you got yeah, a lot. You got a lot of right there. Uh, hold on. Let me see if I can move. Uh, we'll mute him while he gets. That's Josh Bullock of uh, Northside Christian State Champion. He's going to face off with Randall if we can get his uh, his microphone situation right. So let me take him out real quick. Um, Randall, what what do you do? What do you look for when you're trying to pick your finalists in Mister Men's Basketball? I mean, I think first off, I, I try to pick kids that are winners. You know, kids that have help their team reach a certain level. Um, obviously, around this time of year, you want to see your, your finals make a deep run. Um, so that's probably where I start. Obviously, you know, it's really easy to just pick uh, the kids that just score the basketball a lot. But that's always not – that doesn't always tell the whole story of it. So, you know, I look at a lot of categories. I look at, you know, points, obviously. But I, I really pay attention to rebounds and steals and assists. And then, you know, how does each of these players impact winning? And I think that's probably the biggest thing is you can see with all three how they lead their teams and how they impact winning. You know, come back to you, Coach Rick. Same th- question to you. What are you looking for when you're picking these Mr. and Ms. Basketball? I think Randall hit the nail on the head for both of us. I think, you know, we're looking at this particular list and you're looking at three guys who – you know, Jaden Mustoff led his team to the state championship in a national ranking during the course of the year. And also you look at Drake Powell and also um, Isaiah Evans. Both these players are prolific scorers, but they're also leading their team to a possible state championship. In addition to that, I also look at how well-rounded they are both offensively and defensively. And that's the other thing that really catches my eye. And this year, more than any other time, I think I put more into the academic component Uh and also the character of the young men. All right. I think we got Josh squared away now. Josh, you don't have that feedback now. 
Nah, can you hear me? I can hear you. I can hear you. All right. Okay. I had to get my brother's AirPods. I'm sorry about that. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All good. All good. We got Josh Bullock, uh, the state champion, Josh Bullock. Appreciate Chelsea it. says she remembers you playing. Didn't you, didn't you see him play, Chelsea? I did. I saw him play, um, I guess, two years ago against, swear to God, with Lake Norman. Lake Norman. Yeah. yeah so where did you start your high school career, Josh? Um, I started at Northern Nash and Rocky Mountain, where I'm from. That's my hometown. Yeah. Right. That's where it started. That was public school. What got you down to Charlotte? Uh, COVID, actually. When, when I heard we were only going to have like 14 games to play in public school, I was like, well, that's not enough. You know, I wouldn't be able to have enough games to like try to get seen or no publicity. So I left. And Lake Norman was the only school that was interested in me during COVID. So I just went. Okay. What was it like playing at Lake Norman Christian, you know, under the, the bright lights of Mikey Williams and Trey Green and all of that? So uh, I got to be honest. I got to be honest. At first, I had to get used to it. You know, like, I was always, like, the main piece on the team before that year. So, I had to get used to it. But as you learn, like, that's how basketball really is. And you got to learn how to be a role player and, like, accept your role and do it at your best. So, it, grew, it made me better as a player and it, like, made me better mentally on and off the court. So, it was a good experience. I had a lot of fun. Josh, how is it – Josh, my question is, how is it playing for Coach Cook? Coach Cook? Uh, no, nah, and, and I want the truth, Josh. Don't try to, don't try to give me this. No, nah, I want the nah, truth. How is it playing? I'm gonna tell you nothing but the truth. I'm not gonna shoot you telling nothing. <laughs> I'm not gonna shoot you that. Uh, playing on the coach Ed, um, you definitely you're gonna have to play defense. You better like come in with the mentality of he's gonna push you every day. You come into practice, no matter what it is, workouts, like life, basketball, and like what I like about Ed is he's not gonna he doesn't really talk about basketball. He talks about like the life piece as a coach and he just wants to grow you mentally, but he will, he will put you through hell and back. He will, <laughs> he will, he will. Josh, what time did you guys practice this year? Eight to 10. Every at night. night. At night. Wow. Yes. Wow. Wow. Eight Josh, uh, when you look at your schedule this particular season, and y'all y'all had a lot of games, but you know you, you had double digit losses. But right. I think that was the game plan of Coach Ed Cook coming into the season, being a first year head coach. When you looked at the schedule, what went through your mind as far as saying, "Wow, we're going to be battle tested almost every single night"? And how did that prepare you for Saturday? Because in the game against United Faith. I thought it came down to the very end. I want to compliment you with the leadership. And there's one particular play that stood out, and it was underneath the um, opposing team's basket. One of your teammates, the ball went out, and he sort of shook his head a little bit. And you looked at him, and you said, keep your head up. That made a big impression on me. But the thing that impressed me more about you than anything is the leadership that you displayed down the stretch. And I thought the schedule that you guys played during the course of the season – Y'all look like the more poised and mature team down the stretch. 
Yeah, coming in, we really didn't know what we were going to have. We had some guys leave at the beginning that we thought would be on the team. But it told us he was going to throw us in the fire early. And when I looked at the schedule personally, I knew I knew we was going to take some bumps. And I knew, like, I had to grow as a leader and a person. And not just being, like, an example on the court. I had to be a vocal leader because everybody on the team was young. It was only two seniors and me. So I just knew, like, when we came in, we had to have a mentality to fight through every L that we would get. Because out of 14 losses, it was like six or seven games where we lost about one or two all in the fourth quarter. So I think that's probably what prepared us the most for the United Faith game. Because I was like, bro, if we win the one, we, we win the first quarter, we win the second quarter, we win the third. We know what we have to do when we get to the fourth. We don't been there too many times. And that's what Ed just kept preaching us through the entire year, and it and the results showed. Well, I thought the, the the difference in the game and the change of momentum is when United States had that breakaway and they had the dunk, and of course they went up by three, and then right next the next play, Goodlock comes down and shoots a three pointer from about thirty feet out to tie the game, and it just changed the momentum. Um, right away, it just sort of took the air out of the balloon for um, United Faith. But I do want to say one thing. The one thing I've noticed about you, and I've seen you for the last two or three years, the bigger the game, the more you step up. I appreciate that. Um, I try. I try. <laughs> All right, Josh. Well, we, we, we're we going to try to have you beat Randall right now in uh, what we call the game show. It's a multiple choice thing. You okay. answer first. And just make sure you beat him because he's got a little streak going hey, on. Josh, here. Josh, Josh, there's no pressure here, buddy. I just want you to know I haven't lost all season. You, been, you know, I, you know how long the basketball like trivia? It's like been long. You've been tied twice. You've been I haven't tied. lost my my. I have not lost. You haven't lost, and you hadn't had to do what Sam does in the fall as four corners of children to death. All right, <laughs> so I'm gonna play his little theme music, Josh, and then you then okay. Chelsea's gonna come back and ask ask a question. You got the first answer. I'm Randall Clark. I am not Sam Griner. You will not beat me in the game show. Chelsea Simple. All right. Among the top 10 NBA scorers, LeBron James is the oldest. Which one has the best field goal percentage? A, LeBron James. B, Giannis Antetokounmpo, C. Joel Embiid, or D. Shy Gilius Alexander. Josh, let's start off on a good on a good foot. Who you got? D. B. Giannis. D. 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 No, D. 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 Shy Gilius Alexander. All right. Yes. Brenda, what do you got? B. Giannis. Giannis is the correct answer. The Greek freak shoots fifty four percent from the field overall. Josh, That's all he does crazy. is dunk. Come on now. I mean. I guess. He just rim run. That's all he did. <laughs> all right. Uh, Jeff, uh, Sammy has a nice question. Let's make a comeback, Josh. Here we go, Sammy. According to the NBA's efficiency ratings, who is the most efficient player in the league? A, LeBron James. B, Nikola Yo- Jokic. Jokic. C, Jason Tatum. D, Joel Embiid. Embiid. Randall. I'm going to go with my guy, the Joker, right now. I'm going to be Nikola Jokic. Be the Joker. What you got, Josh? Who's the most efficient player in the league? 
It's got to be Joel and B right now, right? It's got to be Joel and B. Joel and B is second, but the joke is first. So you're down two to zero. Come on, Josh. You got to make. You got to put your rally cap on now. Just like y'all came back in the state final, you got to put your rally cap on. I don't All right. Second one too. <laughs> uh, the next one is Chelsea. According to collegeexpress.com, one of these schools leads the nation in men's basketball in attendance at 21,874 per game. Which school is it? A, UNC, B, Kentucky, C, Syracuse, or D, Indiana? Josh. I'm going with Kentucky. KU. UK, rather. I'm sorry. KU's Kansas. UK. What do you got, Randall? I'm going to go with the Hoosiers. I feel like they don't have anything to do in Bloomington. Uh, Josh with the rally cap. There you go. Really? You yeah. Twenty one thousand eight seventy four, Kentucky. All right. Uh, come on, Josh. Keep coming. Come on. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to tie it up. Close. You got it. Not Randall's not going to get this question right. So you got it. You got a chance, right? Let's go, Sammy. She's got the number one song in the nation. <laughs> it's called Flowers. Who sings it? A. SZA, B. Miley Cyrus, C. Taylor Swift, D. Beyonce. Right now, what you got? Every, every week. Every week. What you got? C. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. What you got, Josh? It can't be SZA. Yeah. I'm going to go Miley Cyrus. My man! <laughs> oh, my gosh. We are even. Come on, I told you, come on. Come on, Josh. This is the last question. You have the first answer. So all you have to do is get it all right. I do is no get it right. I'm going to be the first one to beat him. You can do no worse than a tie if you get this right. Uh, hold on, let me find the question. All right. Chelsea. This college basketball player leads Division One nationally in double doubles. Name him A. Joel Serrano, St. John's. B, Zach Eady, Purdue. C, Armando Baycott, North Carolina. Or D, Oscar Tishwebe, T- Kentucky. That's close. I'll take it. Close. What, you got, what you got, Josh? D. D is in Oscar? Yes. Okay, what you got, Randall? B, Zach Eady. The answer is A, Joel Soriano from St. John's. Oh. Man. We have another tie. Josh, I thought you were going to do it, my man. I thought you were going to do it. Oscar is a beast, though. He is a beast. He is a he beast. Is a beast He's a beast. Played a team loader back in the day. Quite a beast. All right. But Josh, man, thanks for coming on. State champion. You know, no give problem. me the ring. I'm, I'm a 10. I just want one. I'm a 10. I'm trying to. I needed it. <laughs> Confidence booster. I got you, man. Well, best of luck to you. Uh, wherever you go, decide to play college. Best of luck to you, all right? Thank you. All right. Take care. You too. All right. That's Josh Bullock. It is now time for Sammy to tell us who was on Five Minutes with Sammy this week. So this week I had Nick Dorn. He goes to Chambers High School. He's a senior. He's the captain of the Chambers basketball team. He was really funny. He was actually like really funny in the beginning. He was in the car and I like interviewed him and we kept messing up. So he had like go inside his house. It was like this whole thing. He's got a really big game on Tuesday. Let's hear from Nick. Hi, welcome to another interview on Five Minutes with Sammy. This week we have Nick Dorn. Nick, can you introduce yourself for us? Uh, my name is Nick Dorn, C7 shooting guard out of Chambers High School, class of 2023. Nick, as the captain of the Chambers Cougars basketball team, what is your main goal for your team? 
my main goal is just to be a leader on and off the court and be vocal and also bring a spark when we need it and also do everything we need to win. So that's mainly my role. Chambers has a 22-6 overall record, which is really good. What has been your favorite game so far that you had a really good one at? I enjoyed Miles Park early in the season. That was a very electric environment. I just love playing in, in environments like that. And also, we play North Meg. It's packed down. A lot of people are in there to see us play. So that's mainly where I thrive off of. Your team is now in the second round of states. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. We just need to keep our heads down. It's just time to come up. The job's not finished, so we can't really celebrate. And Nick, what made you interested in playing basketball? Sports has been in my family a lot. My brother played football. My dad played football. My other brother played basketball. So I've always been around it, and I gravitated towards basketball. So, Have you also played football with your dad? Yes, I have. I played with him when I was little, and I played all the way up until middle school. So, that's Okay. <laughs> Last question. As a senior, reflect on your growth from freshman year to now. What steps did you have to take in your four years of your basketball career to get you to where you are now? Ooh, I've done a lot. It's It's been a lot of hours, a lot of work. Even through quarantine, it was just working, sleeping, and growing. I, as a freshman, I started out at like 5'10", so now I'm 6'7". So, there's been a lot of growth and adjusting to my body. So that's mainly what we have to do. You are tall. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time and for coming on the Five with Sammy. I really liked this interview. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me. All right, Sammy, tell people how they can be on Five Minutes with Sammy. Um, to be on Five Minutes with Sammy, just DM me on Twitter or Instagram. I'm very active. I will definitely get back to you. She is very active because I see all her stories all the time. Yeah. All right, Sammy. Thanks a lot. We'll catch you next week, okay? Thank you. See you. All right. Hey, Langston. Yes, sir. You, you know, we both went to school with Nick's dad. Yes. Uh, Torn. Torn, yeah. And every time I see Torn at a game, I say, you're the only person I know that got three kids and not yeah, going to have to pay for a single one of them. To go to college. Yes, then that's All a very good um, got that's major a, college scholarship. That's a very good thing. Cameron, you've seen Nick Dorn several times. How good a basketball players? Oh, he's he's really good. He can shoot the three well. He can create space, get to a spot in the mid range, drive it. He really does it all for Chambers. Ricky, you can, I mean, I know we're in the the post pandemic era of transfer portal and extra year, but shouldn't Nick Dorn have twenty five offers by now? You, you would think so. And the other thing, too, and he mentioned this, too, he's had a tremendous growth spurt in the last couple of years. So, um, you know, he's a late bloomer, just like his brother was. You know, his brother went to Charlotte and he just bloomed, you know, got better and better when he was at college. So but I agree with you. Nick's a very talented player. He has good size, good length, and he has the ability to shoot the ball from the perimeter. So, you know, shooting translates. So I, I do think he should have more than what he has. All right, it's time for Alex's favorite part of the show. It's Ladies Night. All right, I hate to do two videos back to back, but we can't talk about these games coming up until we see who Randall picked as his players of the week from the week past. So we're going to do that, and then we're going to turn you guys loose on all these big games coming up. And I know Gary's going to have a whole lot to say about two games, but we're going to get to that after I play Randall's little picks video.
and welcome back. We are here for another week of Randall's Rockstars. This week, joined by Coach Lewis. Coach Lewis, how you doing today? Doing well. Hope you are, Randall. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's get this party started. We are going to start off with the Kate Sears from Wataga. She had 31 points and eight rebounds to, and five assists and led her team to a third-round win versus South Met, where she will meet Blanca Thomas from Charlotte Catholic. Blanca had 27 points, 11 rebounds, six blocks, and a 58-53 win versus previously unbeaten Northern Guilford. Next on our list, Nevaeh Farmar from North Met. She had a team-high 18 points and a 56-37 victory over Reynolds on Saturday night. Lily Booker from Cannon School had 20 points, four steals, three assists Tuesday night in the NCISA semifinals. And last but not least, Miss Kirsten Lewis-Williams, 30 points, 11 rebounds, 10 steals, seven assists on Tuesday. Kirsten, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Well, Kirsten, we'll just let's just go ahead and get it started. There's a huge target on your back. I'm sure you know it. Everybody knows it. Talk about what it's been like to kind of, as the season started, you had kind of a target on your back. But obviously, being undefeated at this point in the season, that target got a lot bigger. Can you talk about how, how you guys have handled that? Definitely. It definitely has. I mean, every team that plays us comes playing us like it's their Super Bowl. I mean, we don't get anybody on a bad night. Um, everybody who plays us knows who we are, um, have watched film on us, and they come out every day to try and ruin our season. If we're being thrilled about it, it's like um, definitely a lot of pressure. But for us, we take every game as if it could be our last, and we're not looking to lose, and we're looking to take that home, take home that state championship. Kirsten, when I've watched you play a couple of times this year, the thing that sort of just stands out to me is – you know the game so well, and you just have a knack for where the ball's going to be. And last night you had another triple-double. How many triple-doubles have you had this year, and have you ever had a quadruple-double? Well, um, no, actually. I normally come up one or two shy in some category. Um, the close I got to that triple-double, I was two away, two steals away from a quadruple-double. But I'm definitely going to get it. One of these last three games, I promise I will get that. I will make sure. I got 10 in each, at least 10 in each. <laughs> I love it. Person, the thing that's impressive about you when I've watched you several times this year, you're so engaged in the game. It seems like when you're playing, you're one step ahead of everybody else. And I think that's why you're always getting those triple doubles. But you just have a knack where the ball's going to be. Yes, sir. I mean, I think it comes with the four years experience being the only senior on the team. Um, I know all the girls look to me and look to how I'm playing on the court, to how they will play. So every I can't take any possessions off. Every possession I have to go 100 percent. And I think I do that. Last question from me is at the beginning of the season, did you ever think you'd be in a situation where y'all would be undefeated and in, in a, a couple games away from the state championship? I can't say I, I thought we would be undefeated, but I did. Honestly, I did know that this year would be the best year because the freshmen coming in are with Kelsey, Jetta are great. Um, the freshmen last year, sophomores this year, they have so much more experience. Um, I knew that this year we were going to make a deep run in the playoffs and get to the state championship. I mean, it's my senior year. I want nothing more than to leave this school with the state championship. Well, congratulations. I'll see you Tuesday night. Thank you. Thank you.
Kirsten, I think what makes this group special is the fact that, you know, kind of everybody does their job. Um, you're kind of the engine that gets it started on both ends of the floor. Addie's a three and D to where she really guards and shoots it. You got the Sheehan sisters who are knocking down shots. And Kelsey Ryan has been really good as a freshman, like you mentioned. Can you talk about how, how it's been, like, being the old veteran on the floor and you look and you're surrounded by three sophomores and a freshman? Like, what is that experience like when you're on the floor? Yeah, I mean, at first I was I was nervous about it. I won't lie because um, experience comes a long way in playoffs, and it really shows. But these girls, they're they don't play like sophomores. They don't play like freshmen. They come out. They've earned their spots. They they've earned being here, and I think it shows. I mean, it's not hard playing with them. They play way past their years. Um, it's just small things that I can bring, which brings us together. I mean, they bring it themselves. I don't I don't have to beg them to play hard. I don't have to ask them to come every day. They want it just as much as I do. All right, Kirsten, last question. All right, you're, you're an unsigned senior. You've had a fantastic year. I need for you to tell us, what are you looking for in a school? And then what is a college coach going to get from you when you arrive on campus? Well, looking in the school, I'm just looking for a competitive place where I come in and I have a chance to earn earn playing time immediately, you know, at practice and a place that's really going to push me on and off the court to be the best player and person I can be. Um, and then what I think I'll bring to, to anywhere I go is just a level of leadership and competitiveness that every day I'm going to go to get better every day. I'm going to push myself and push the people around me to be better. I absolutely love it, Kirsten. Thank you so much for your time today. Good luck the rest of the season, and uh, we'll we'll see you hopefully next weekend. Thank you, thank you. And if you want to be one of Randall's rock stars, make sure you reach out to me on social media, Instagram and Twitter at the One RC. We'll see you next week. All right, but thanks, Randall, for that. Now we're going to talk about the big girls' games coming up this week. Um, just, I mean, some monster, monster matchups. Uh, let's start out. Uh, Chelsea, on the eastern side, um, the game you're looking at is what? We are looking at Roseville. Is that the right one? Corey? I think you said you had uh, Chapel Hill Panther Creek. Uh, there we go, Chapel Hill Panther Creek. Yeah, so Chapel and Panther Creek, um, I've seen Panther Creek a few times. They got girls like Taylor Barner, who are just absolutely amazing, um, scored the ball really well. And I think they're just a really well-put-together team. And Chapel Hill, I've not seen this year. They have a girl, Lainey Smith, who's really good. And there's a girl, Eva Smith. I think she's class of 2026. I'm not sure she's her little sister with the Smith last name. But I know as a freshman on that team, she's doing really good. Yeah. Yeah, and Alex, a great yeah. Alex on that t- on the top side, Roseville Hillside, what do you see there? You're on mute, Alex. <clears throat> Roseville is a team that has flown under the radar through no fault of its own. The Rams play in a very, very tough league with the likes of Millbrook, which includes uh, Rachel Douglas, and actually Roseville finished second in the regular season to Millbrook. But I want you to notice a couple things there. A couple close games in the regular season with Millbrook. Among those four losses, the two in, the two to Millbrook, one to Rocky Mount, who's still playing in the 3A East, a very, very powerful team. 
and one to a non-NCHSAA school. But Roseville has shown several things, an ability to win close games, won a close game against Millbrook for the conference tournament championship, avenging those two losses, and won a 77-75 overtime decision over Holly Springs in the sectional final to get to the regionals. What people need to keep in mind about Roseville and what really is the story is Roseville is led by three guards, a senior and two sophomores. The senior, Destiny Carlos, is a double-figure scoring average, has a double-figure scoring average, 10 points per game. But it's what Destiny Carlos has done. She's opened the door and paved the way for the continued maturation of two sophomores, Caitlin Jones, 18 points per game, along with four rebounds, four assists, and four steals per game. And Gabriella Matthews, another guard, sophomore guard, 13 points per game. So you really have seen the maturation of a team across the season and the way that fusing together a senior guard who's opened the door for two sophomore guards to grow and take the reins as leading scorers have put the Rams in position to win close games, win an overtime sectional final, and be in position for this regional opportunity. A senior guard with two sophomore guards kind of sounds like a team on the western side is doing pretty well. We're going to come to in a minute in Lake Norman. Uh, real quick on the on the smaller side before I turn Cam on 3A, Falls Lake, 30-0, uh, led by Emerson Thompson. Emerson's getting 20 points a game, 10 rebounds a game. I think they're probably going to come out. Uh, and then in the two-way, uh, Randall's Miss Basketball, uh, Zamariah there, 26-2 and in her team, got a really tough game against Northeastern. Uh, Seaforth and Bettingfield on the other side. That, that, I mean, we should have two really good regional finals in the smaller classes. Cameron, what do you see in the three-way? Oh, well, I'll start with the East. I mean, you look at E.E. E. Smith. I mean, they – both E.E. E. Smith and uh, Cape Fear kind of been on cruise control thus far in the playoffs. Um, I have E.E. E. Smith actually winning this game uh, due to them having three scores um, in double figures, o- averaging over 12 a game. Now, I mean, Cape Fear does have Jada Angel. She's averaging 29 points per game. Uh, and they're actually in their most recent win, they, she put up 38. Oof. But, I mean, they don't have a lot of depth. I mean, after her, it drops off to like seven points and four points. But I think depth will win this one. And then you go down to Terry Sanford and Rocky Mount. Um, Terry Sanford's been on quite the uh, Cinderella run, if you will, but um, Rocky Mount, the two seed, I mean, they were just dominating all areas of the game, defensively, offensively. Uh, they haven't had a closer game than like a 23-point winning margin yet. Uh, wow. So, for me, it appears it's going to be E. Smith and Rocky Mount. Um, I'd give the edge to Rocky Mount, and I'd mean just a slight advantage. So, I mean, the total outlook, I mean, you look at East Lincoln and West Rowan possibly on the western side. Two undefeated. Unbeaten versus unbeaten. I know, that'd be crazy. And so, I mean, just whoever wins that game is going to obviously play a one-loss Rocky Mountain or E.U. Smith team. So, 3A is pretty pretty stacked. Then I look over at 1A, Gary, in the West, I see Bishop McGinnis with 9,000 state champions. Does tradition never graduate? (laughs) Tradition never graduates in Winston-Salem at Bishop (laughs) McGinnis. They're just rolling, drawing it, drawing football team had a great season. Now the girls basketball team is having a looks like a Cinderella type of playoff run. Uh, they're going to play Robbinsville Cherokee, who had that big tournament where all those great teams came in. Maybe some of that rubbed up on them. They're in the semifinals. I think Bishop McGinnis goes to the state championship game again. On the eastern side, that Salisbury Shelby winner, I think, is going to come out. But Randleman's going to have something to say. East Burke again is having a good season, but 
Shelby and Salisbury are really, really strong. Uh, Chelsea talked to Kayla Bryant. Was that two weeks ago, Chelsea? Yeah, Kayla on. And she was talking about how she wanted to go out as a state championship winner. But let's get to the big boys. Gary, North Mac took Lake Norman to the wire. It took Kirsten Williams to make a, a whirling dervish 360 layup at the buzzer or, or basically at the buzzer to win that game. Can North Mac go back in there again? Or has Lake Norman gotten too good since then? to for Lake North make the hammer. <laughs> you going to put me on the spot again. Right on the spot, sir. Yes, sir. I want them to put you in another video. They want me to put it in a video. I want and, to have you last and, week. And I Friday, to Friday night, I said, I wasn't going to pick against Lake Norman again. <laughs> but you also know that North is my alma mater. I do. You know, I, 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 went, do. I graduated from North Mech. So I, I'm still close with a lot of my classmates and they were talking to me last night at the game like, you ain't going to pick against us, are you? I'm like, okay, I got it coming from – I got it coming out of Lake Norman and I got it coming out of Huntersville. Yeah, they watched the show, man. That's a good thing. <laughs> I, I see. <laughs> I see. And, and then Alex tells me it's no such thing as home court advantage. Yes, sir. So I no can't such, take no that as, a, as an out. No such thing. <laughs> okay. No such thing. Um. I'm going to pick Lake Norman. Lake Norman. Randall, what do you think? In a close one. In a close one. Randall, what do you think? I I agree, but I think that it's going to be because of all the talk. I think Lake Norman has heard how close North Mech was to them and how North Mech has a shot. And I think that they are going to be locked in and focused and ready to go. And and this is kind of their statement, Jack. You know what? I, I have not seen a girls' basketball game with this much hype around it in quite some time. I mean, it started – I mean, my text messages and DMs were blowing up. I mean, almost as soon as those scores came out on Saturday. And uh, I, I, this is a – you know, I, I, Gary's making the point earlier, it's really too bad that all these games are on Tuesday because you want to be able to go and see this game as well as Catholic in, in the two other games in Charlotte. You want to see these games, and unfortunately – because of the format, we, we can't see him. Rick, can, Lake Norman shoots the ball so well. North Bank puts pressure on so well. What do you think is going to happen in this game? I think what we will see is what usually happens with Lake Norman. They're going to, you know, they're going to press and they're going to try to turn you over and get in transition. And they're just tremendous in transition. And, um, you know, they that's how they that's how they operate. And that's how they, they have the success this year is, uh, pressing teams and you know, they'll double team the rebounder, you know, make it hard for them to get an outlet pass. And, you know, they, it's just a very difficult team to, um, to play. And then, of course, they have so many different weapons that can shoot from the perimeter or drive to the rim. Yeah, but but uh, Cameron, doesn't North Mech have the ultimate press break in the, in the Vea Farmer who can just, you know, she's small and she's quick and she can just, you know, get through all that stuff? Oh, they do. Um, her and uh, the Aria Page both. But, yeah, I think Lake Norman has gotten so much better throughout the season. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure I'll be putting a video for this if it comes back to haunt me, but I got Lake Norman by like 11 or 12. Ooh, Lake Norman by 11 or 12. That's, that's... Here is what I think separates. They're both great defensively. Yeah. But I think Lake Norman has better shooters. Nobody uh, has the shooters that I've seen in Lake Norman. Yeah, I think Lake Norman has better shooters. Um, and North Mech has scores. And that's that's a difference. You know, shooters, they, you know, they're perimeter players and, and they take a lot of threes. But 
scores, they get to the line, they slash, they they score at all three levels. And um, I think, you know, the Lake Normal will pack it in and, and, and make North shoot from the outside. And not to say it, that North can't shoot. I just don't think they shoot as well as right. Lake Norman from the perimeter. And that's the thing. North Mac probably needs to play faster to get into the open court and score. But at the same time, once you get really frenetic, that's kind of playing into what Lake Norman wants to do. I think, you know, the key for North Mac is to kind of get this into a late round, you know, fight where it's close to the late rounds. They can kind of steal it. I think, you know, if you come out and, and go for the early round knockout, it, you know, you could get blown out. Um, but they, they're know. very similar in how they apply defensive pressure. Yeah. Not only after made shots, but, you know, after missed shots. And I think the difference that North will uh, have against Lake Norman that Lake Norman hadn't seen in a while is North has multiple ball handlers yes. who are not going to be afraid to handle it if they get the ball out of Nevaeh's hands. Um so um, I don't think them getting the ball out of Nevaeh's hands is going to be as big a factor as it would against point guards of other teams who don't have multiple ball handlers like uh, like North Mac does. But still, I think it comes down to who who can make threes. Yeah, Randall, if you're coaching a, a team that's 29 and 0 like that, and the game is close, does that cause you to get a little tight? Would that play in the North Mac's favor if they could get into the late rounds with Lake Norman make them think about it a little bit? For sure. For sure. I mean, the the more they can hang around, it's, it's the same as, as anybody else. When you're undefeated, you got that target on your back, even and, and you're at home. Uh, I think if, if they were able to stay close, the longer they stay close, uh, the, the tighter, you know, it, it gets for Lake Norman. All right. Should be a great game. And we'll def- we're going to do our little Twitter thing, I think, on Tuesday since all oh, you guys loved it so much. And we'll get the guys back on and discuss these games on Tuesday. It's time to see who uh, we're going to do the boys now. It's time to see who Rick picked for his players a week before we talk about the big games. And welcome back to Playoff Edition. Coach Rick's picked. Coach Lewis, how you doing this morning? Doing well. How about yourself, Randall? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Coach, what you got for us this week? Well, we got some really exciting players um, that had a great game yesterday that propelled their team to either advance to the state playoff or win a state championship. But we're going to start off with 6'8 senior Pat Tibbon, a Charlotte Catholic. 18 points, 8 rebounds, had the game-winning shot over Grimsley on the road. And now Charlotte Catholic um, has the opportunity to play the number one seed, Myers Park, on Tuesday night. Next up is a guy that um, was just absolutely tremendous yesterday, and that is Josh Bullock. The junior point guard had a team-high 20 points. He also had nine assists, um, four steals, and he was just instrumental in Northside Christian beating United Faith. And I think, you know, the thing about Josh Bullock was the way he controlled the tempo. He showed a lot of leadership, a lot of intangibles that you don't always show up in the box score. Uh, Next up is a guy that um, has had a really good season for Chambers, 6'7", junior Mario Hansen with the double-double, 14 points, 10 rebounds, and a big road win at Mount Tabor. As we all know, Mount Tabor is one of the most difficult places to play in the state and they have an outstanding coach and Coach Muse. So great win for Chambers, and Chambers has the opportunity now 
to play North Mech for part four. Um, next up is six seven junior um, Jaden Jute Harris of Salisbury, 26 points, 12 rebounds, four assists, and a 76-71 overtime win over West Caldwell. And also, I want to mention one other person that's not on the list. The information came in late, and that is 6'7", Junior Isaiah Evans of North Mac, who continues to just steamroll through the competition, 30 points, 12 rebounds, three assists, three steals, two blocks, and a big win over East Forsyth. And last but not least, um, we have 6'3", sophomore point guard, Chadlin Trailer of West Charlotte had 20 points in an 85-58 blowout win over Northwest Cabarrus. And West Charlotte's one of these teams. It's the defending state champion, but they've been flying under the radar this year. Welcome, Chad. Hey, how y'all doing? Good. 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 Chad, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Uh, you guys, you get to the playoffs, and Coach Rick and I both agree that, that the game kind of slows down for you guys. You know, you're not playing the athletes. You're not playing in the North Max and Chambers. Can you talk to us about how this playoff run has been so far from from a point guard standpoint, just of how you've seen the game? Um, like you said, we um, started season out playing teams like North Max and Chambers, so we really battle-tested. And coming into the playoffs – um, I done had all those times going against those guys, so I'm really prepared for anything that um, the coach might want to do or anything they have going against us for um, playoffs. Chad, big question for you. You know, you guys are defending state champions at the 3A. You were a freshman last year. This season, you come into the season, and there's a lot of expectations, although you guys lost some key pieces to the puzzle, but you sort of have fought trying to be above 500. What's been the mindset of you personally as the point guard and as a team struggling to keep above 500 during the season, knowing that once you got out of the Queen City Conference, you guys would have a little easier time? Um, I think our biggest thing and the biggest thing for me is just trying to stay consistent. Um, We know we had some ups and downs throughout the whole season, but we all know how good we are, and we believe in everything Coach selling us, and he's you know that we're capable of doing anything and winning any game. Chad, when you look at your Queen City Conference schedule, and there's some really powerhouse teams at the 4A. Of course, you got North Mac, and you have Chambers, and you have Huff, and you have Hopewell. Who's your biggest rival? Um, I'll say our biggest rival would probably be Chambers. Chambers and North for sure. Those will be the best games. Uh, crowd be hype. And those games everybody want to see. And everybody just enjoys those games. Who's been the most difficult player to guard and defend this season? And what's the toughest place to play at? Um, I'll say the most difficult player would probably be Isaiah Evans. Um, you know, he's long, tall, can shoot over anybody. And the most difficult place – um, it would probably be North Mac because of how small that gym is. So, like, yeah, it, yeah, I'd probably say North Mac. All right, Chad. A couple more questions before we let you get out of here. Uh, obviously, you guys go to Greensboro on Tuesday to play Smith. How do you avoid the the lingering thought of of the trap game of overlooking them and thinking about Central Barris already? Um, we never overlook any team. Uh, we know, like. 
any any game, anything can happen. We got to bring our A game and play like it could be our last game. Um, we're not, we're not a really good team, and we just got to be prepared for anything they try to do and come out with a win. All right, Chad. So I've been asking this question to, to people the last few weeks. Uh, in the college game or the pro game, who would you say that you model your game after? Um, in the pro game, I would probably say Damian Lillard. I like um, how unpredictable he is. Um, a lot of people just see like all the amazing shots he makes, but he really understands the game. And I like how he keeps his composure. And for college, um, I watch a lot of Duke basketball. So I like how Jeremy Rose, he um, controls the game and helps Duke, you know, come out with wins and very tough games. I like both those answers and very true, good descriptions of, of why you like them and, and it makes sense. So, Chad, we appreciate you being on the show. Good luck this week uh, and good luck the rest of the season. Thank you. Good luck, Doug. Thank you. And if you would like to be one of Coach Rick's picks, make sure you reach out to him on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Coach underscore Rick 57. Coach Rick, we appreciate you being with us. Thank you for having me. Have a good day. Now, you know what, guys? I, I was so excited about North making Lake Norman. Around the artist got Blanca Thomas mad at him because he didn't pick up from his basketball finals and we didn't, we can't skip a game. Randall, tell me about Catholic and Wataga, two of the best players in the state. Blanca, Kate Sears, two of the best teams in the state. What do you see happening here? Well, these two teams played actually in that event earlier we talked about in Cherokee. Um, it's, 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 everything's going exactly how I thought it would for Charlotte Catholic. They're playing their best basketball at this time of year. Blanca Thomas has really stepped up on both ends of the floor. Um, Charlotte Catholic won this matchup the first time um, by 15. Obviously, this time they're playing them at Wataga. Um, so it should be a more competitive game, but I'm expecting the same result. I got Charlotte Catholic coming out of this one. All right. Anybody else want, before we drop it off? Cam, uh, Gary, anybody, any comments yeah. on this one? Um, I mean, I expect the same result, but, I mean, I think it'll be a much closer game. Just one thing with Taga lacks, uh, every team in the state lacks, is someone that's 6'5". I mean, <laughs> when, <laughs> when Blanca is playing at her highest level, it is hard to beat Charlotte Catholic. I think she had like 27 points, six blocks, and like 12 boards. I mean, it was crazy, the stat line she put up in her last game. So, at yeah, same result, just a little bit closer game. Randall, if Blanca, if Blanca can get to a thermonuclear level, Randall, can they win the state championship? It would have to be to a thermonuclear level. It would have to be just complete and utter domination. On I mean, like Shaq 2001, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm talking about, yeah. I mean, you're talking about a 40-20 game. Okay. Yeah, it, would, it, 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 would take, it would take a lot. And I'm not saying she's not capable of doing it. Um you know, she's really locked in on both sides of the floor, as we saw last night with what the stat line she put up. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're winning the games that, that they're supposed to win. And uh, hopefully, you know, they win Tuesday night and sets up a very interesting Saturday. Yeah. Hey, uh, Alex Langston, you can relate to this. It will take a LaToya Pringle. Yes. Effort. <laughs> Okay. All right. <laughs> it, it, it will. T- it will take a Latoya Pringle effort, and uh, I, I just want to. I want to take this opportunity to that end to acknowledge that yes, we are. This is the twentieth anniversary of Gary Richmond leading the Vance girls to the state <laughs> final. But the takeaway from that, seriously, 
The takeaway yeah. for that, seriously, that all these teams can carry into this week and beyond is when a coach like Gary Richmond can say after a state final, they did not beat us because of effort. Yeah. They beat us because of Pringle. If your coach can say that after a game this Tuesday, next Saturday, or the Saturday after, you are in business. Well, Alex, while you have your vocal cords warmed up, we got more charter and prep schools in the, in the eastern side of the playoffs in the, in the lower classes. I know they came up during the NCHSA thing with the legislators. Is this going to help that cause? It is what it is. I hearken back to what the NCHSAA bylaws say, and membership is open to the state's public and non-boarding parochial schools. Charter schools fall into that category. So it is what it is. We get to a point where we've had a number of NCHSAA bylaws amendments proposals over the last decade or so for a number of things. We've got a number, we've got another one supposedly coming up this spring relative to the number of classifications in the state. That's going to pass. That's going to pass. I, I, probably, probably. Not but, probably. Um, you, but you get in a situation where we've had these amendment proposals time and again over the last decade, and none of them have been successful yet. So I hold fast to the words of the great Charles Henry Adams, the uh, retired executive director of the NCHSAA, who's smiling down from above on us when he would say, our charter is clear and we follow our charter. And at this point in time, the charter of the NCHSAA extends its membership to non-boarding parochial schools and the public schools in the state and charter schools fall in that public school category. It is what it is. What I like about the small schools looking at the East, the Bishop McGinnis boys and girls in the regional semifinals, Mountain Heritage lost their first game to West Henderson. They won 25 straight and their, their best player is a kid named Max Smoker who plays like three different sports. He's averaging 21 points, eight rebounds, shooting 62% from the floor. I just love those stories when you see the small school basketball. And Alex, before we get to the bigger boys, um, Salisbury is going to play Reedsville. Reedsville's unbeaten. East Gaston's having one of his best seasons in school history. They're going to play Lincoln Charter. But can anybody in 2A handle Farmville Central when they see it? It's going to be a good matchup. I, I think we have to be excited by the prospect of seeing a – slightly older Farmville Central team with the senior leader like Josh Short. Mm -hmm. And then you look at what Reedsville has done this year mm -hmm. with a tremendous ninth grade tandem, uh, including um, <clears throat> Kendra Harrison, um, who's a six, eight power forward already has several power five uh, football offers. Right. An impressive young man. So Reedsville, on the younger end, rely, I mean, led by two freshmen, but it's worked so far. Salisbury with Jaden Harris. And Salisbury did a very – Brutal schedule. They're like Northside Christian. Yeah, exactly. They, they did a – they made a purposeful effort to play a very tough schedule to prepare them for this opportunity right here. So I think that the possibility of – a Salisbury or Reedsville matchup right here with Farmville Central could be a very, very 
entertaining game, uh, a nice precursor to a 4A state final in Chapel Hill, which we'll talk about a little later. So either way, we're going to see some great talent on the floor, whether it's a senior in Josh Short, whether it's a junior in Jaden Harris, whether it's a freshman in Kendra Harrison. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Uh, Rick, I know you've been talking about Northwood coming out of 3A, but is there anybody in that 3A East that can give them a go in these last two games? I don't, I don't see anybody. I, I think Northwood is too talented, uh, Drake Powell, but they also have tremendous size. They have a 6'10", 6'9", kid, and they have a really good point guard. So they have, you know, the ingredients here, I think they're the only team in the 3A that can really compete with Central Bears. But tell me about the West Charlotte-Ben Smith game. Can West Charlotte continue his role and get a rematch with Central mm-hmm. Bears in the regional final? Is Ben Smith going to come out? Um, ben Smith is playing really, really good right now, and Coach Pardee just got his 200th career win. Um, ben Smith is a tough team to play. Um, you know, beforehand I was sort of leaning toward West Charlotte, but I think that game is a complete toss-up. I think you look at West Charlotte, you know, they, they do have the experience of being a defending state uh, 3A champion. Um, you know, Donovan Raymond is now getting healthy. He's playing really, really good now. Yeah. Um you know, I sort of want to favor West Charlotte, but the game is at Ben Smith, so I think that game is a, is a toss-up. West Charlotte plays better on the road. They like being the underdog. They like being questioned and doubted. And I think you don't want to lose five games in a row going into the postseason, but I think that Coach Davis likes his team kind of being forgotten about and, and licking their wounds. I think West Charlotte's going to pull the upset and see Central Bears in a uh, regional final on Saturday. And it is a shame, Gary, that – Potentially some really delicious games are going to come up Saturday and you're really going to have to choose where you want to go. And probably you can't even watch them all together on the stream. Whereas in the old days, we could just go to Greensboro, all of us, and sit there and just watch these games one after the other. After the other. It was the best day. It was the best day. The fan is getting cheated more than anything. And and the the NCHSAA, they need to do something about it. it. You know, COVID is over. Uh, if you hadn't gotten your shot, then you don't want to get a shot. It's time, you know, these gyms have been packed and people are back out watching games. And, uh, you know, you want to see more than one game. And you don't want to have to pick between two because your boys and your girls are playing at the same spot. They should be in different different, uh, different days. So a school like North Met that has both teams in the regionals, can go see both their teams play. It makes no sense. And it's not, you know, to me, it's not just seeing two schools play. I want to see all these teams play. I just tell you guys, back when the association you have it in Greensboro, you could just go see all, on Championship Saturday, they might have one or two games at UNC Greensboro and the rest of them with the Greensboro Coliseum Annex. You could sit there, which was a great site, by the way. And you could just sit there and see all these great games, one after the other. I mean, just one nail biter after the other after the other. And the emotion it was like the, the state finals on Saturday, Rick and I saw. It was just great just seeing that emotion in the, in the fans after every game. But, Cameron, can Crest upset Central Cabarrus? Is it possible they can go up there and get a win? No. <laughs> no. Central Cabarrus, I mean, there's there's talks about how Central Cabarrus has a weak conference and all this. That's true. But give me 20 seconds to run down this schedule. They played Barry. They beat them 79 to 30. They play in a tough conference. They actually beat Audrey Kell, who beat Olympic. Then you got Lake Norman, 104 to 72. Uh, Butler, 106 to 66. Cox Mill, 94 to 50. Concord Academy, 70 to 59. 
they play they play Gaston Day one by ten. Who Gaston Day beat Carmel not too long ago in a state cha- in a state championship. Uh, beat United Faith. They play tough competition, very tough competition. And I said it before the playoffs. There's not a team within ten points of them in three A. Since Cabrera's ranked as high as number 14 in the nation, so there's some people that agree with you. Rick, 4A East, what do you see there? Uh, is, is Richmond County a heavy favorite now that they have Paul McNeil back, or are they a favorite at all? Well, the, the thing about Jordan is they've done a, the same thing that a lot of other teams have done, is they played a tough schedule early, you know, a tough non-schedule. So you look at their losses, and I went through and looked at their schedule, you know, they lost early to Millbrook, Burlington School, Panther Creek, Northwood, United Faith. So, you know, they played a very difficult schedule. And, they have, again, some of these football – I mean, public schools have football teams. And, you know, they have to wait till the football season's over to, to really have that chemistry in jail. Um, you know, Jordan has an opportunity to go in and, and, and make the upset. Now, that being said, Richmond is 26-2. and two. Now, early in the season, you know, Paul McNeil left um, – you know, um, Richmond and went out to prolific prep. He, yeah. he also came back. And since he's his return, they've gone undefeated. Um, you know, you have Paul McNeil. I think he was Gatorade player of the year last year. Um, here's a young man that's averaging like 24 points a game, nine rebounds, four or five assists. Um, you know, they've been on a roll since McNeil's been back there and they, um, they have a pretty good team. So that's going to be a game that probably will lean Richmond since it's being played at Richmond, it's a home game for them. Um, the 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 other game is a very intriguing game. You know, you look at Holly Springs at twenty five and five going against New Hanover. Um, Holly Springs has been my pick to come out of the East the entire season. Ooh. They lost some games early, mm-hmm. but you know the reason for that they um, were out. You know, without their starting point guard Micah Jones, who mm-hmm. is really the catalyst for that particular team. The difference between Holly Springs, they have more senior players. They got Colin Cole, who's going to Georgia Southern. You got Micah Jones. They got the Ryan Cotty kid, Crotty kid, who's a Division One prospect. He's a junior. You're going up against New Hanover on the road. New Hanover's top three players are all sophomores. So you got sort of the experience factor mm-hmm. going against the youth factor, but the youth factor has a home court advantage. Yeah. That being said, I'm going to still go with Holly Springs. All right. Uh, Chelsea, you saw Richmond Sr. Or, uh, last week play Millbrook, and you thought, what did you think about Richmond seeing him in person? I saw Richmond play um, Sanderson. Oh, Sanderson, I'm sorry. Yeah, and, you know, I was pretty impressed. You know, I think we all knew going into that game we're playing Paul McNeil – and just a very, you know, already successful team. But um, I think Sanderson held up a lot better than we all expected. It was tied at one point, but at the end in the fourth quarter, we just slipped by a few. Okay. And uh, Alex, Durham Jordan's on a rather historic run. This is their first regional semifinal in quite some time, right? Yes. Uh, Durham Jordan qualified for the 2005 Western Regional uh, semifinal. There was a young man by the name of Dominique Sutton, who was the star of that team, who went on to play at Kansas State. And prior to that 2005 Western Regional game, Durham Jordan last made a regional appearance in 1981. I'm sorry, uh, 1985, I'm sorry. So 1985 in the Eastern Regional, 2005 in the Western Regional. So it's been quite some time for the Falcons. I'd like to point out, Durham Jordan 
has a young man by the name of Ronald Bridges Jr. He's a 6'3 senior. He's a slashing type wing who can get to the basket in the half court, but really excels and thrives in transition and in the open court. He had 33 points against Millbrook, including seven in overtime. Uh, He was one of three players in that game who scored in all five periods of the game. Uh, Then you have uh, a couple of young guards, a couple of sophomores, Drew Johnson and Derek Ross, DJ Ross uh, Jr., who both scored in double figures, five foot ten inch, really, as uh, Coach Rick explained, crafty kind of kids with high basketball IQs. And then throwing just some glue guys. Uh, Walker Woodall is a 6'5 kid. Uh, Javier Ortiz, another 6'5 or so kid. I mean, they're not going to beat you themselves, but they know how to find their spots to make meaningful contributions. And Jordan just brought it all together in an exemplary effort against a very, very skilled Millbrook team, very well-coached team by uh, Christopher Davis, one of the top coaches in the state. So uh, Jordan did a great job in positioning itself to seize this opportunity. All right. Let's look on the Western side. Um, Randall, Charlotte Catholic, got the big upset on Tuesday. Going to play Myers Park. Myers Park seems to be playing his best basketball of the season right now, but they haven't been tested very much lately. They have not been. I don't – I mean, I expected Charlotte Catholic to go into Grimsley and, and get one. Um, like we said last week, they, they have a lot of size. You know, they, they are long, active – you know, Pat Tivnan, Vaughn Thomas, Jake Carnoodle, uh, Ryan Lewis, those guys really do a great job. Coach King is tremendous. Um, but I've been riding the Myers Park Mustangs all season long. It's a home game for them. This game last year was amazing. The atmosphere, the crowd was amazing. And there's a certain somebody on this panel who doesn't believe in home court advantage. There will be a home court advantage on 2400 Colony Road. You're dressed like Alex does. Use your own stuff against you, Alex. Well, uh, well, let let me let me just say that uh, the reason that the home the reason that the home court advantage will be negated is because the the crew, the Cougar crew of 5101 Pineville Matthews Road. Does a great job of supporting their team, too. But but in all serious in all seriousness, kind of like we saw on Saturday with Millbrook Jordan. Both of those teams played well. It didn't matter where the game was. I think all these teams are going to play really well on Tuesday. Uh, I do agree that in this particular case, Myers Park just might have too much. But the crew from 5101 Pineville Matthews Road will be there in full force there with their friends at 2400 Colony Road as well. (laughs) Okay, very strong. Coach Rick, if this game was played at, I keep using Independence Arena, but let's say let's say Independence Arena, ten thousand seats. How many fans would come for the Charlotte Catholic Myers Park? Charlotte Catholic Myers Park. How many do you think it would draw? If, if, I if think five thousand plus easily. So you're going to have five thousand plus fans trying to get into a place that was about half of that. But what do you think is going to happen in this game, Coach? 
Well, the one thing about Charlotte Catholic, I was speaking to Coach King last night. He really enjoys us not picking Charlotte Catholic. Oh, yeah. Yes, he does. Material. But the one thing Charlotte Catholic can do that very few teams can do against Charlotte, my Myers Park, is they can match up with them with size. Right. Uh, when you look at Myers Park, you know, you're talking about Elijah Strong at 6'9". You got uh, Sadiq White, 6'9". You got Sir Muhammad at 6'7". You got, you know, Bishop Boswell's a point guard at 6'4". And then you got Santana Lynch at 6'3". And then Sam Walter's 6'3". This is a college, you know, type of lineup. So the, the thing with Myers Park is they just have too many weapons. Um, I do think this is going to be a very, very close game. Um, I don't think Myers Park will blow Charlotte Catholic like they've been the, the previous teams. I do think it's going to be a very close game, but being at home and play, you know, Myers Park with the overall talent, you can't help but just favor them just a tad. Kim, last point. Uh, bulletin board material here, and I know every game's different, every matchup's different, but Charlotte Catholic played a close game with uh, East Mech in their conference uh, tournament championship. And we saw what Myers Park did to East Mac. Uh, give me Myers Park by 13. I will remind you guys, a couple of years ago, nobody thought Catholic was going to do very much in the playoffs when they got on to the quarterfinals. Nobody thought very much of them. They got to the semifinals. Nobody thought much of them. They got to the state championship and won. Just saying. Came from behind to win too. Yeah, just saying. Don't don't doubt the Cougars, and, and I think Rick is spot on with five thousand. I was going to say seven thousand fans. These are two of the, the biggest fan bases in Charlotte, mm-hmm. and it is kind of a shame that it is not in a place that can hold the amount of fans that want to come and see it. I know Marsh Park wants home court advantage. I understand that, but um, it's it's kind of a shame. A lot of people are going to get turned away uh, at the door. Speaking of getting turned away at the door. Chambers is going to play North Mac in the gym. It's about 500 people. Uh, I'll start, Cam, you're going to be at that game if you can get there early enough to get in. Who has the advantage? North Mac has won twice. Chambers won once. They each won on each other's home floor. But North Mac won the last matchup in the conference championship. It seemed like it was just yesterday. These two teams know each other real well. There's not, there's not going to be any surprises. You know, it seems like North Mac's going to need another phenomenal performance from Isaiah Evans, who's been on a run of 30-point games here uh, lately. What's going to happen? I think North Mac has the advantage simply because the improving play of Trey Maxwell. He was a bit under the weather uh, recently, but he's starting to get, you know, back fully healthy. I mean, he's, he's you know, a phenomenal player, can shoot well, uh, good dribble drive penetration. But I think that's where the North Mac advantage is. And I mean, you know, we always talk about Isaiah Evans and just how talented he is, averaging 35 in the playoffs. I mean, it's putting crazy numbers. Um, so, I mean, that's where North Mech's advantage is. But, I mean, Chambers isn't the slouch. They can easily win this game. I mean, they won at North Mech by the largest margin um, of any of the games thus far. So, I mean, it'll be a good game. And I look forward to I mean, I've covered all four now. So, it'll be a good one. Okay, what do you think is going to happen your alma mater facing Julius Chambers? I'm sitting here thinking, what am I going to say? You know, <laughs> uh, you know my connection to Chambers. I do, and Chambers. I know your connection to North. You went to North. And my North connection North. to North. That's what I want to ask you. <laughs> uh, boy, this is tough. Um, and they do watch. Uh, it, it, well, first of all, I'm going to the girls' game. Okay, it's a shame that you have to miss one. I mean, we yeah, can make that point. I, I wish it was somewhere at least CMS could 
staggered at time because I know Dwayne is not moving. No way in the world. Dwayne. <laughs> no, he's not moving the game. He's not moving the time. You're right. No. Dwayne so, knows uh, I, I wish they could stagger it so I could see both. Um, you know, all I have to go by is what I saw at Huff. And I saw North Mech shoot the ball better than Chambers on a more consistent basis. Mm. Um, yeah, one guy go thermonuclear that night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's his norm, you know. Uh, so I'm I'm thinking North Mech just because I think they have maybe one more shooter. Because that paint is going to be nasty. Yeah, it's, you know, it's going to be a battle. It's going to be nasty in the paint on both sides, on both ends. Before we so come to I the- think I think the the key is, and, and something we haven't mentioned all night, and, you know, girls or boys, is how are these games called? You well, know, yeah, I don't know. Gonna gonna be play oh, I can tell you how this. I can tell you how this game's going to be called. <laughs> yes, sir. I, well, I, I want to make one comment you made about the officials. And, and, you know, I was there all day um, Saturday at the um, the private school playoff championship. The one thing I noticed in that particular situation, the officials did not call it like they did during the regular season. They let them play. They did. They let them play. Now, they were consistent on both ends of the court. Now, it, when you walk away from the gym – you, you couldn't even walk away and say, hey, the officials, one call made a difference because they were consistent on both ends of the court and they just let them play. I mean, they didn't call the ticky-tack fouls. I think the referees wanted to be, you know, you know, part of the game, but not the outcome of the game. And they let the players decide it. So hopefully, you know, in a situation like this, the officials swallow their whistle just a little bit and allow the players to win the game and determine the game. That it's also, it's also they worth they noting that this is the round. This is the right. round, uh, just like we saw in football, where you start to see officials being assigned beyond their own regional supervisors. Right, right. So, and, and a lot of them haven't seen the Charlotte type of, of exactly. basketball. It's kind of the same problem the football teams run into when they get to the playoffs and they call holding every play because they hadn't seen the, the level of physicality there. Randall, if I tell you the Chambers are going to have the advantage of the referee squad and whistles, am I telling the truth? Yeah, no. I don't I'm even not. know why you would form your lips to say that. That was, that was wow. You know where this game is at? This game is at North Met. I understand that. But these referees aren't from Charlotte. I understand that. Try, <laughs> listen. Listen. Tuesday night. It's going to be a battle. I'm not saying it's going to be home cooking, but those referees are going to let them play. And if they they let them play – Advantage North Mac. Rick, you agree with that? Well, let me just say this. Chambers has won the last two games at North Mac. Now, can they make it three? I, I do think, for example, Chambers plays better on the road than they do at home. Um, think about this. Chambers has beaten both Myers Park and North Mac on the road. Good point. So, and I think the other thing that why um, – Chambers does well with their team this year when they played North Mech. It's a smaller court. And that's where you basically you look at the length and athleticism of Chambers. You know, they're able to get in the passing lanes. You just don't have as much room as, as you do on some of the bigger courts that, you know, yep. the high schools use, the yep. 94 feet versus the 84. So I think that plays into it as well. But, you know, Chambers has gone on the road. And, you know, you look at it now. 
three of the toughest places that we can think of to, to play at, Myers Park, North Mech, Mount Tabor. No, good point. Cam, last word. Uh, yeah, well, another advantage North Mech has is free throw shooting. Um, but, you know, to Randall's point, if they let these guys play, I mean, Chambers in that second game, you know, when they put uh, Marcus Brown on Slim and he held him to 13 points, if they let him play and they let him, you know, push Slim around a little bit, I think the advantage is actually in Chambers' favor if they let him play. I think 100% of the advantage is Chambers' in favor if they let him play. I disagree with Randall. That's why I wanted to come to him because I, I knew he disagreed with me. Uh, Chelsea, who's on Chelsea's world this week? This week on Chelsea's world, we had Miss Basketball finalist Sarah Strong on to talk about her two consecutive state championships. You know what? I did not know Chelsea before today, and I, I'm, I'm losing my note. I was talking to Randall earlier. Sarah Strong's mom, I covered, Allison Feaster. She was one of the best players in South Carolina. With, with, from I remember her mom. Yeah. I didn't know that was her mom. That's her mom. And her dad is Danny Strong who played the state and played overseas. I remember She's got a pro mama and a pro daddy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, she mentions the overseas in the interview. Yeah, so no wonder she's on, on Randall's list with Miss Basketball. So let's, let's check out the interview. This week on Chelsea's World, I have Sarah Sean from Grace Christian Women's Basketball. So, Sarah... This past week, you guys won your second consecutive state championship game. Kind of talk about the road, you know, to that game and the final game itself. Um, well, the whole season, we were expecting to make it to the States. Um, it was just pretty much the same thing as last year, just trying to get better. And, like, just everyone just do better than what they did, like, last year and, like, just show that we improved. And just kind of just trying to win the same as last year. You guys went from 1A to 2A, right? Mm -hmm. Is there any difference in the road between playoffs and getting to that state championship game being in the 2A now? Um, our conference wasn't really, like, challenging, but it was kind of, like, the same. But I think it kind of – that also helped us and helped our other teammates get, like, gain confidence in their game and just figure out what they can do. Absolutely. And, Sarah, you absolutely dominate on the court. For those who don't know your game or your playing style, kind of describe who you are on the court. Um, I'll say, like – a facilitator. Like I like to get my teammates involved. Um, I can score when it's like needed, and I think I'm a pretty good rebounder. Absolutely. And Sarah, this completes your junior high school basketball season. Do you have any goals left for your senior year? Just get better. Get better at shooting. Get better at just conditioning. Like how high I can jump. Just like get better overall, so I can be ready for college and senior. Year. And Sarah, Grace Christian is such a successful program. Kind of talk, talk about what goes on in practices and what culture that coach really implements to make y'all so successful in games. Um, we just, we do a lot of like fundamental stuff in practice, like just skill development and just trying to like advance our game just so we can be better than the other people and like conditioning too. We do a lot of that. Absolutely. And Sarah, you're nationally ranked. So first I want to know, when did you begin playing basketball? Um, it started when I was in Spain. I lived there because my parents played overseas. Ooh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And I want to know, when did you really fall in love with basketball and kind of get an idea that this could be a big thing in your future? Probably when I moved to the U.S. Um, I started playing, like, um, AAU with the boys teams, like, with my dad's organization. And that's when I, like, started to really like it and 
Love it. And finally, Sarah, before a big game, walk us through your pregame trial. You know, what do you do to get mentally and physically prepared? Um, first thing, uh, I pray. I always pray before my games. Um, I listen maybe to like a calming song, maybe. Um, get stretched and just like just try to stay like locked in. Sounds good. Well, yeah. congratulations on your second state championship. I bet that's awesome. Thank you. And uh, best of luck next season for senior year. Mm-hmm. Thank you. All right, now we're going on to coach versus coach. I think we've only had two agreements so far this talking prep season. Hey, that's more than last season. You're doing a great job, Chelsea. There we go. More than last season. So we'll get to- All right, I'll start with you, Randall. Regional semifinals are at home sites. Is it time to go back to the old format of neutral site, Elite Eight, and Final Four? No, not at all. I busted my hump all season long to earn this higher seed. I've earned the right to play a home game in in the in the regional semifinals. Um, so you'll be coming to my place, and then, you know, if we win there, then we can go to a neutral site for the regional final. Gary. Yes, it's time to go back uh, with the different classifications, playing on a different day to give basketball fans statewide a chance to follow other great players. Because now you're running into teams that have great players. Every team has a great player or several great players. And making fans choose between um, one or another at this stage in the season, I think is not fair, especially when it comes to boys and girls coming from the same school like North Mecklenburg is right now, like Charlotte Catholic right now. Making the fans choose between one or the other is not fair to to the schools, to the fans, or to the players. Why can we not just play one on Monday and one on Tuesday? That, that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I don't have a problem with that, but right. I definitely don't like the idea of boys and girls both playing Being on the same night. night. You're, you're in okay. the same school. Okay, yeah, I got you. That, that's not fair. All right, and Gary, would high school basketball games be better if teams could advance to half court with under two minutes timeout? Uh, I don't think it makes a difference. Um, I think they're, the, the high school game, the college game, the pro game should have some differentiation. Uh, I don't think they all should be identical. That's something that the pros do. Leave that to the pros. Um, I don't like the idea of advancing the ball uh, because the way they do it, you still can throw it in the backcourt. If it limited where you could throw the ball in from, um, then maybe you could move it to half court. But since you have the whole court as access like they do in the pros, I don't think it's necessary to move to half court. Right. I think I think if you move the ball to half court, you're gonna find out who can really coach. That's what you find out. You find out who can get in that huddle, pick up that clipboard, and draw something else, draw something up. So I don't necessarily agree that it should be in high school basketball, but I definitely think it would it would make uh, things a little bit more interesting. But before we start changing rules, the only rule we need to focus on change is getting the shot clock in North Carolina. I changed my mind, everybody. I agree with Randall. The shot clock <laughs> is needed. I saw some teams hold the ball yesterday, 
And I started looking at my phone. I do not want to watch somebody hold the ball and play keep away. That's it's just boring. All right. Randall, big one. Is high school basketball better or worse now than five years ago? In North Carolina, worse. And it's not these kids' fault. Uh, the the golden years of basketball in this state, at least for me, were 2018 and 2019. Uh, I think you didn't have to worry about kids leaving the state. Everybody stayed home. Uh, you weren't worrying about kids going to team up with other kids. And, and the competition was better uh, because so many kids were spread out at different schools that they really had to battle and compete at. And it really made for, you know, some really, really fun times. Gary. Oh, God, I'm agreeing with Randall. It was worse. Uh, it's worse now, put it that way. The officiating isn't as good as it was five years ago. Um, the idea that you can follow a player from their freshman year to their senior year at the same school is not as common as it used to be. Uh, you have all these pop-up schools, Um that are mainly set up just for basketball as opposed to academics. Um, I think it's, it's worse in that manner. Um, and the fans are not as good as they used to be. Uh, you know, if their kid is not playing, the calls don't go their way. The fans can be very abusive and um, that's not good for basketball. It's not good for high school sports. And one other thing, I think there's more specialization uh, from my end on, on girls basketball, you have so many kids that, that start playing volleyball now and they they don't make it back to basketball. Uh, you have so many male basketball players who used to play football and, you know, they gave up football because they got a coach telling them they need to play basketball full time. I don't like high school sports specialization. I, I can't stand that. Rick, I just want to hear your thoughts on this question. You, you see more basketball than all of us combined. Is high school basketball better or worse now than five years ago? I, I think what's happened is we've seen the talent pool, you know, tremendously diluted um, than what it was back in 18 and 19. I think Randall made a very good point. Um, you know, it's, it's a situation where you got so many kids being spread out. You got your top kids in the state leaving the state um, to go play on a national level. And you, you, you do have more of the pop-up schools than ever before. I do think, you know, some of the things that we can do, just for example, what we've been talking about at the public school level, I think there's a lot of things that can be done at the public school level to really entice kids to stay there. And it, again, it goes back to it and creating that environment for, you know, public school kids to, to be enticed and say, why are you going anywhere else? Because you can, you know, play in front of 1,500 fans, you know, or you get to the state playoff and you're playing in front of 5,000, 7,000, 8,000 fans. I think that's the type of thing that we got to sell these kids on and you still get a great education. And you know what? You know, some of the basketball at the public school level, you know, whether it's, you look at Myers Park, they're nationally ranked. Um, North Mex has been nationally ranked. Um, Central Bears has been nationally ranked on the private school side. Carmel Christian has been nationally ranked. So I think a lot of it has to do with the individual schools to basically create the environment. And, and you're starting to see that with some of the, the schools. Like I tell you a, a good example, the greater eight conference, 
does a phenomenal job of promoting the teams in their conference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Greater Metro for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think, you know, and there's some schools out there that do a great job of on social media with graphics to promote, you know, and entice people to come to the to the game and create the, the fans and the interest, you know, for the student athletes. I think there's a way we could go about and change it if we one of the one of the things kids want to do is they want to play the big national tournaments. And the public schools often run into game limitations by doing that. If you drop that conference tournament, which very few people are excited about anymore, you can give these people three more games. They could go play another Christmas tournament. They could play Bojangles and something else. I mean, uh, Chick-fil-A and something else. I think that's what the kids want. They want to play that the big time schedules. That's why they go to different, you know, these types of schools and leave the state. Cam, you want to talk about the timeout rule. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Oh, advancing the ball. That is, that is awful. That is so bad. You, Randall, you talk about good coaching. I think it takes better coaching to have to go the length of the floor in three seconds rather than, okay, we get to move it to half court where you can pass the ball right to the three-point line and take a shot. Um, and Langston and Randall, I bet you know the example that I'm going to use too. Uh, take it back to 1992 when Coach K looks at Grant Hill and says, can you make a pass down to the free throw line? And Christian later, can you make a shot? That's good coaching. And that's my point. A little bit more than good coaching involved in that play, but okay, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll let you have that one. <laughs> um, the, uh, the the question, Rick, I wanted to ask you though about the, the regional semifinals. Um, going back to the old way, where everybody would go to Greensboro and go to ECU, is that right, Alex in the East? You go to ECU and they would play Tuesday through Friday, one class per day, get to the last games. Do you think that's a better format than what we have now, with everybody playing on Tuesday, different sites, different times? Absolutely. And, you know, it, it goes back to the thing like, for example, when when the teams that were winning, they all had the signs up, you know, the road to Chapel Hill or the road to Greensboro or whatever. But I do think, again, you know, the, the, the public schools can capitalize off of having everything at one venue because you have all those teams there, all the fans and you create this atmosphere that's unequal and unmatched. And you mentioned about going to national tournaments. For the most part, these teams that are on a national level, when they go to all these different national events, for the most part, there's very few fans there. You know, so it's a situation where I think the NCHSAA needs to take advantage of the atmosphere that they create going to the state championship. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that. Thanks. Along along those same lines, I think it was – 2011, um, Mecklenburg County had three out of the four teams went to the women's regional in Greensboro, uh-huh. and they had the press conference. And CJ, his Mallet Creek team was in it. My Hopewell team was in it. We rolled together. And, we, <laughs> you know, and then at the game, uh, the Mallet Creek people were, were pulling for you. I do Hopewell, and yeah, the Hopewell I people were pulling for Mallet Creek. Yeah, and Butler was there, too. Yeah. And, and the other two schools are pulling for, you know, pulling for the uh, Butler when they got an opportunity to play. So, you know, it's the atmosphere was better. I kind of enjoyed it because I got out of class for a day. I 1,000 percent think the old format is better. I think the association needs to go to the old format because we come up with issues like this. Tomorrow, North, I mean, Tuesday at North Meg, um, 
They're going to play. They're going to start selling tickets at 6 a.m. to people who don't purchase the tickets ahead of time. There's not going to be any unpurchased tickets. Don't make this 500 people. Um, and, you know, if, if Mars Park Catholic's going to drop five, this game could drop five. If you play both of these games together, say you played Lake Norman girls on, on Monday at a, at a neutral, at whatever the neutral site you want to choose, say it's Queens, and you play these two teams on Tuesday, uh, 6 to 7.30. I mean, the, the atmosphere, like Rick said, would be incredible. I remember those atmospheres of the Greensboro Coliseum Annex. I, I, I am 1,000% certain that's what the association should go back to. I do not like this current format, and I hate that so many fans, uh, Cam, are going to miss this game tomorrow. What do you think? I mean, it's, it is a shame that, both, that so many are going to have to miss this game. Because, I mean, the tickets are going to sell out by – I mean, they're going to go on sale to the public. The remainder of the tickets at 6, it'll be sold out by 6.15. There won't be tickets at 6. They'll get all bought up by the, by the fans. Oh, I'm the sure. Fans I'm of sure. Anyway, we rambled on enough. Let's, it's time for the big man to start the show to get and give us his final thoughts and we get out of here. What do you think, man? We've talked about this all season, going to play people. Uh being battle tested at this time of year and how important it is. I want to take this time to congratulate Coach Ed Cook and the Northside Christian boys on a on a fantastic run. They did a great job yesterday, and we saw at the end of the game with the last couple minutes in the game the battle test of playing you know one of one prep twice from playing uh, combine from playing Winston Salem Christian. At the end of the game yesterday, you could look at that team and tell that that they weren't afraid of the moment, that they had been there before. And I think there, there's a lot to be said about that. I, I truly feel that when you have a team that can compete and be very good, you should put them up against the best players so that in these moments in February that actually matter, they can show up. There you have it. All right. Well, I want to wish everybody good luck in the uh, lead eight on Tuesday and then the regional semifinals on Saturday. We'll be back next Monday. We're going to announce Mr. Men's basketball with preview state championships. Should be a fun show. Um, we're going to, I hope we're going to do predictions again this week. I forgot last week. So we'll put those out and uh, see how much trouble everybody can get in. That's Randall, the number one trainer I know. That's Cameron, the get the guru in training. That's Rick Lewis, the number one voice of high school basketball. Alex Baskin, training. I think when Alex closed his eyes, facts just like run across his, his face. He can pull him off. He just pull him off in any moment, kind of like a little merry-go-round. I need this fact right here, and it comes up. Gary Rich, my friend, my frat brother, Chelsea Simple, future UNC student, going to start school in August. Best yep. of luck. You know what you're going to major in, Chelsea? Um, no. <laughs> That's okay. That's like got general college. You, you have fun for two years and you can figure it out. There we you go. Be like me, you can figure it out your third year. But anyway, we are talking preps. <laughs>